Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. Today, we sit down with Rick Duncan, who has been amazing in our journey of launching ISI. He helped us think through some of the founding principles. I get a chance to sit down with and talk to him about his journey as the founding pastor of Cuyahoga Valley Church. And really, we talk about abiding and, and really unpacking that and what it means to abide in our faith and how will, that will help us to be the most productive version of ourselves. And I really think you guys will enjoy the conversation and some of the scripture references. So sit down and, and hang tight. Enjoy the conversation. Until then, stay sharp, everybody. Well, I appreciate being here with you. Um, so uh, tell me about your your background and how your position today and kind of the story to where you are now. Yeah, well, I'm actually a Buckeye. I was born in Ohio. I know it don't sound like I was born in Ohio, <laughs> but uh, when we were when I was six years old, my dad actually was called into the ministry. So he was in business in the Cincinnati area, mm. and um, his pastor gave him a Sunday school class to lead. Uh, I think he had just he and his wife, nice. my mom, in the class. <laughs> thing grew to like sixty people. Wow. And so he he felt like God's calling me into hmm. full time vocational ministry. So he resigned his position. We moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So that's where I grew up. Gotcha. And uh, I was a baseball kid, uh, like music, and I was a pretty good student, but uh, really loved baseball. So um, was drafted by the San Francisco Giants out of high school yeah. and um, pretty low draft pick. I think it was the 15th round or something and ended up uh, getting a scholarship to go to Vanderbilt University. So I played baseball at Vanderbilt. There you go. Uh, we won the SEC a couple of times. So that was fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, then I was drafted again by the Minnesota Twins. And uh, so I uh, left college and Played five years of minor league baseball, huh. so I was in California a couple of years and all around the South. I ended up my baseball career in Nashville, which is where Vanderbilt is. Okay. And there was an article in the paper saying, hey, this is his last year. He's not going to play anymore. Um, they call it retirement. I don't mm -hmm. know how you can retire when but, you're 26, the, but uh, the I retired word. from minor league baseball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the local ministry leaders, a guy named Steve Roberts, Robinson with Fellowship Christian Athletes, saw the article and he said, hey, do you want to work for FCA? Uh, there's a position to open in Jacksonville, Florida. I said, I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> so I went for the interview and, and ended up enjoying the, mm. the board and, mm. and the opportunity. So I worked for FCA, Gosh. Fellowship Christian Athletes, for like four years in uh -huh. Jacksonville, Florida. Mm. And then uh, my friend Bob Tebow, who's the dad of Tim Tebow, he got uh -huh. me set up to actually speak at a church. And he told me, he said, you know what? That sermon was better than what we typically get on Sunday morning <laughs> from the senior pastor. Can you come back? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know if a staff member at a church should tell somebody like me that their <laughs> sermon was better than the lead pastor. But that's what he did. And that was really encouraging. So I, I yeah. resigned my position a few months later and went to seminary in Memphis. Hmm. And then following seminary in Memphis, um, had an opportunity to go to Central Florida to plant a new church. Hmm. Um, opportunity to come here to Cleveland, Ohio to huh. plant a church. And I went and talked to my seminary president. And he said, um, anybody can go to Florida, but who will go to Cleveland? <laughs> And uh, I don't know, Isaiah chapter 6, there's a question that uh, is posed, you know, God's saying, who will go? Who mm. will go? And Isaiah finally says, here am I, send me. See, I could get no rest from that question, who will go to Cleveland, until I said, here am I, send me. So mm. 
packed up my son, wow. Alan, whom you know, yeah. <laughs> and my wife, Marianne, and she was pregnant with Ryan, our middle son at the time, and we moved to Cleveland in 1986, wow. and then we opened up our first service in 1987 at, here at Cuyahoga Valley Church. Wow. Yeah. And your role has transitioned a little bit from yeah. that point till, till now. Yeah. A few years ago, I transitioned to a, a younger leader, you know, um, mm-hmm. every lead pastor or every business owner mm-hmm. Every day you live, you're one day closer to being the ex lead pastor or the ex business owner. So I think we got to think about legacy. We got to think about transition. And so I started thinking about that. The whole issue of Moses turning things over to Joshua. I mean, you can see Elijah to Elisha. You see it all throughout the Bible. The the issue of legacy is very important. So so I thought, hey, I want to transition while I still have some gas in the tank, some tread on the tires. So... Hmm. um, Versus five, being accidental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of accidental things that actually hurt the organization. Sure. You know, if you're not being proactive about it. Mm-hmm. So we did this about five years ago. And I actually stayed on staff full time here um, for a few years. And then I had an opportunity to transition to work with the North American Mission Board. Mm. And my job right now is training the trainers of the next generation of church planters and kind of along the East Coast. Hmm. So I've been responsible to help open a training center in Charleston, South Carolina, and um, also in Baltimore. And then I've been involved in training guys in San Diego and St. Louis and Calgary and South Florida. And and then we actually do training also right here at Calgary Valley Church in Cleveland. I think it's amazing all that that preparation from, you know, the baseball and the organization, the little skills you learn there to planting this church to what you're doing now. It's all... You know, in some ways, preparatory to the role that you're in. Yeah, well, I never could have predicted that I would do this because I've always been a little bit of a color outside the lines Mm. guy. Yeah. And I'm actually working for a big organization, the North American Mission Board, and we have an organization within that called the SIN Network. And I never thought that I would be a guy that would work for the man, you know. I've always been a little bit of an entrepreneur, renegade type of guy. But it's it's working well. I I enjoy doing it because I'm working with entrepreneurs. Like if you're going to plant a church... You got to have entrepreneurial skills to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're putting on multiple skills, and uh, that's really interesting. Well, so you have been instrumental to our ISI event so far, coming in and speaking on specifically faith. One of the things that you know we've done differently is instead of thinking about a wheel of life and faith being a component of the wheel, where it's something you do at certain times or certain compartments of your life, putting faith at the center with faculty, your family, your fitness, and your finance around it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that central concept in terms of faith being at the hub versus it being a spoke? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I get paid to say <laughs> Christ should be at the center of everything. And, and we always talk about the kinds of churches that we want to see started, mm-hmm. you know, Bible-based, God-glorifying, mm-hmm. and Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a phrase that's maybe lost a little bit of its meaning because it so easily rolls off the tongue, at least in my world, Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. So to me, uh, putting faith at the center and more specifically Christ at the center, mm-hmm. uh, then he begins to energize and inform everything. So I I think it's a great call. That's the way I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, I mean, it's our, you know, our, our thought process is, um, you know, for people who are interested or are pursuing, you know, their Christian faith, can you, can you be better in all those areas? Can you be better in your vocation or your calling? Can you be better as in your family and your roles? And so, and that's, that's our belief that if, if you just leave it as one, one piece of it, you know, you're kind of missing out on some of the opportunity to bring that supernatural power to those other areas. So, well, and, and what's at the center if he's not at the center and the temptation would be to put yourself at the center, mm. you know, or some other philosophy at the center. And, and I think um, that, that Christ is the one who can actually energize and inform and direct each of those other areas. So makes makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> Glad you agree. <laughs> well, you were helpful in us in some of the early formation as we were just kind of, you know, ideating on Iron Sharpens Iron and what could we do that would be different that would make an impact on people. And so um, there you go. There's yeah, well, I, I think that one of the beautiful, beautiful things is you and other leaders in the organization, um, you know, you aren't clergy, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yes, I get paid to say Christ should be at the center. Hmm. But when somebody like you says Christ should be at the center, Hmm. uh, that just carries a different kind of weight. And it probably has a deeper impact on other people who are um, out there in the Hmm. marketplace. Hmm. So uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I love the the passion, the vision, the forethought, Hmm. the energy, and the excellence that you guys are putting toward this. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a, a big blessing. We've been, you know, connected with a lot of great people and you being one of them. And, and I wanted to dive into abide because that okay. was, that was a series for yeah, yeah, yeah. really almost all of 2018, the first year that we kind of put it together. Why of all the things you could have chose <laughs> to talk on, we really gave you free reign and said, Hey, here's what we're doing. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the most important thing? Um, why abide? Yeah. Um, well, it is important to me, uh, just from a historical standpoint, I, I, I was thinking back to, when I met my wife, Marianne, hmm. I had gone on a missionary baseball team to Central America while I was at Vanderbilt. And we uh, would play games and, and then try to pass out Christian literature in the stands. And hmm. um, we kind of toured Central America, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras. Well, my roommate hmm. was a guy named Al Baker on that team, and hmm. he played baseball at Alabama. And so when we got back to the States, he introduced me to Marianne. So we went out on a date in August, and this was back in the day when Vanderbilt and Alabama would play in football, and Alabama would kill Vanderbilt <laughs> every September. So um, thankfully, that's not on the schedule anymore. <laughs> um, but I went down to see Vanderbilt play against Alabama hmm. uh, in early September. This was 1974. All right. And we went to a, a, a Christian gathering with a crew, we call it now, it mm-hmm. used to be called Camps Crusade for Christ, and I heard a pastor named Frank Barker give a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Presbyterian pastor in Birmingham. And um, it was on John 15, which is about abiding in Christ. And, I, and it's amazing. That's a message that was delivered, <laughs> how many years ago is that? 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still remember it. Wow. So it impacted my heart. It was like a a very shaping moment for me. And then when we came here and launched this church, the first Bible study I ever did was in a little house, not no. maybe, you know, two miles from here. No way. And 
John 15. John 15. <laughs> John 15. So it's very important to me. And when I started thinking about you guys, I started thinking about productivity because you sharp young mm-hmm. business leaders mm-hmm. want to be productive um, with your families. You want to be productive in your other relationships. And certainly you want to be productive business wise. Sure. And so when you think about productivity, it's really at the heart of what the Bible says we should do. He, he, he creates man and woman in his image, it says in Genesis 1. And then he says, I want you to be fruitful hmm. and multiply. In other words, I want you to go be productive. Now, obviously, he is talking about propagating the human race. But I think there's more there than hmm. just that. Hmm. Be fruitful. Be productive. So how can I be productive? And the answer to that is I need to learn how to abide in Christ because I can produce no fruit on my own. And that's what Jesus says in John 15. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me Mm -hmm. and if I abide in you, then you can bear much fruit. You can be productive. But apart from me, you could do nothing. So I'm going, if I'm in the room with a bunch of young business guys that are trying to figure out how to make it yeah. in mm. my personal life and in my professional life, then they're thinking about productivity and they got to understand <laughs> that it comes from abiding in Christ. I read a book by William uh, uh, Warren Wearsby years ago, and he talks about really the secret to living. And he says, really, the secret to living is glorifying God. You know, Hmm. why did God make us? Well, he made us to enjoy him and to glorify him forever. Well, what's the secret to glorifying God? It's bearing fruit. Jesus says, by this, in John 15, is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. Hmm. Okay, secret to living is glorifying God. Secret to glorifying God is bearing fruit. What's the secret to bearing fruit? Abiding. Abiding. There you go. <laughs> Abiding in Christ. So it all gets uh, back to that. That's awesome. And it's obviously been so meaningful to you over the years, too, from that crew event till your first Bible study here, <laughs> till even probably till today. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, is that yeah, a life first or a, a memorable one that you have kind of? honed in on more than others? Yeah, I I think so. It's just kind of a go-to passage of Scripture for me. So good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed, you know, going back and and reading. And and I think there's some... There's some overlap. In other words, there are other, there are other, there's other language in the Bible that I think talks about the same concept. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dependence on God in prayer. Mm. Same concept, different language. Um, Being filled with the Spirit. Same concept, different language. Okay. Um, you know, letting the word of Christ dwell within you richly, says in Colossians 3. Again, same concept, different language. And I, so I think God gives us, you know, a lot of different ways to access the same idea of basically, it just means staying connected. The Greek word is meno, hmm. and it means to remain or to stay so I'm remaining in connection with Christ. I'm staying in connection with Christ, and that's where the fruit comes from. I love it. And you gave us four ways to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. So talk us through the four, and um, you know, touch on or expand upon any one of them that you you yeah. feel like. Is okay. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So so I want to make sure that I stay connected, 
constantly or consistently. Okay. So the idea there is uh, I'm not going to be somebody who's connected to Christ on Sunday morning. Mm. And then when I go to the office on Monday, I'm going to, you know, kind of disconnect from Christ and just do my own thing, you know, run my life. Did my thing, check the box. Yes, yes, yes. Which, again, it kind of goes to the idea of making sure that Christ is in the center Mm -hmm. of everything. So that's that's the consistency piece. And then there's making sure that you're connected deeply. Mm -hmm. So the fruit that bear the branch that bears the most fruit is the one that's most consistently connected to Christ, and then the one that's most deeply connected to Christ. Mm. So it can't be a surface connection. It's got to go really, really deep. And then uh, the third idea is to make sure that it's one that's uh, connected purely to Christ. Um, And the idea here is where that branch connects to the vine, if there are uh, impurities or blockages, Mm -hmm. then the life from the vine can't get through to the branch and the branch is going to not bear the kind of fruit that it could bear. Mm. And then finally, uh, a widely, you know, so the branch needs to be widely connected. So consistently, purely, widely, deeply. And, and I think those concepts kind of just, just help me, um, stay connected more more so that I can bear more fruit. Yeah, they, they're all different to me too, and they all make sense in different ways. And the first one, uh, consistently or constantly, you know, you were sharing a little hack that you had, yeah. ho- hoping that it didn't go off during yeah, this. Yeah, right, right, but right. Would you just mind sharing that? Because I think that's a real, yeah. you know, practical tip. Well, I actually learned this from a young leader uh, because I was meeting with a guy and his phone went off, and, and I said, well, hey, what's that? He goes, <laughs> he goes, well, I've I've programmed my phone to kind of go off on my, he has two daughters, on my daughter's mm-hmm. um, birthdays or the time for their birthdays. For, for example, um, our your your friend Alan, my son Alan, um, was born on September the twelfth. Yep. So at nine twelve on I think it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, okay. my phone goes off, and I know okay I need to stop and pray for Alan. Love and it. I usually don't pray a long involved prayer, mm-hmm. but Lord, you know my son, you know where he is, you know what's going on, and 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 so I've kind of set that for for all three of my sons. I've set it for my grandsons, and I've set it for our anniversary, Marianne's birthday. So, um, and I alternate days so that my phone's not going off too uh, many times during a day. But the cool thing is, it just reminds me to pray. Yeah, it's just a little, <laughs> little, even if it's a vibration in your pocket, you know, you yeah. can say, oh. You pray for Alan. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. get you out of whatever you're thinking about and right. brings so, you back to that constant. Right. Yeah. That. So that, that's one little hack that will, helps me to be more consistent. I will be stealing that, <laughs> leveraging that as for sure. Um, so the other one, so deep and pure and wide, um, any practical things or simple things you found people that have you know, found it really effective for those? Well, I would say deep, meaning, um, you know, I don't want to be a surface Christian. I want to be a deep Christian. Mm. And so what, what does that look like? And, um, I, you know, something that might be helpful is hey, when you go to church, mm. take a journal and write some things down mm. that the dude is saying up there. <laughs> keep, keep a log, basically, whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, you know, when you go home on Sunday afternoon, pick it up um, and go, okay, how— how can I apply some things that I learned today to mm. my life? 
you know, so that the learning isn't just head knowledge, it becomes heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. So maybe deep is like, okay, I'm trying to move this thing 18 inches. You know, because we got a lot of people that are that that are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Mm -hmm. You know, they got knowledge in the head about it, but mm -hmm. it hasn't really transformed their heart. Oh. So, can we pause there for a second? <laughs> I think that's a really important thing. Maybe and touch on what you mean by that. Like, how do you make that connection between the head and the heart? Well, I think that's a a, a divine thing, actually. Okay. And I'm I'm getting ready to speak in a few weeks here on the parable of the sower. Hmm. And so Jesus says, basically, you got four kinds of hearts. One would be a hard heart. Hmm. And this is where the Word of God comes, but it just doesn't penetrate at all. And then you've got uh, a crowded heart. And he tells a story like the sower sows the seed, um, the, the, the seed falls into the ground, it grows up. But when the sun starts to beat down on the plant it shrivels and dies because there's rocky soil. Mm. Um, so it's, 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 it's crowded. It's crowded out by weeds yeah. and yeah. rocks. And, okay. and then you've got kind of a distracted heart. Mm. He says there's other soil where the plant starts to grow and it's choked out with, by, by thorns and thistles and weeds. Mm. And so the plant never bears fruit. And then finally he says there's the, there's the good heart or the fertile heart. Mm. And so no rocks no weeds, plant grows, and it bears fruit. Mm. So, so what you need is a soft heart. So if things are just landing in your head mm -hmm. and they're not getting you down know. to the heart, yeah. then that probably means my heart's either hard or distracted or crowded. Mm. And, and only God can transform a heart. In fact, it says in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel that God is in the business of turning a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Mm. So it's a different way of saying hard hearts can become soft hearts. I can't make that happen to me. I can't make that happen to you. That's what God does. So I would say the, the way to make sure that this is not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge is to ask God, God, I don't want, I don't want this truth to miss my heart. Mm. So make my heart soft and receptive to what the truth is. So it's good. And practice for a future sermon series. Yeah, yeah, going. yeah. I'm going to just play this. <laughs> just give me this tape back. I'll play it on Sunday. <laughs> no, that's really good. I mean, it's, it is true. Um, and it is a divine thing for sure. So um, that's awesome. Deep. I, I, I always think of the example of uh, scuba versus snorkel. You know, you don't yeah. want to just be a surface level. And, yeah. Uh, you got to kind of go deep and go yeah. scuba. Put on and, the tank. And I would say also about deep, just a couple other practical things. It's like, buy a good study Bible, hmm. um, and I recommend the ESV study Bible. Okay. I think those notes that are in there are very trustworthy, hmm. but any study Bible would be really good. Uh, and then I would also say, get a good systematic theology, like a one-volume systematic theology. Hmm. And people today are talking about uh, John Frame's systematic theology is a good one. There's another one out there by Wayne Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M. Um, or you can get one um, by Millard Erickson. Any of those theologies would be good. But okay. what I'm saying is those... those um, Theologies can help when you're looking at a text and you're like going, I, I, I don't know what this, what's, right. what is this about? Or mm. I need to read something about the second coming of Christ, or I need to read something about 
um, spiritual warfare. Um, I need to read something about. Hmm. I mean, and what I'm saying is those kinds of things can help you get deeper gotcha. in the faith instead of just just being kind of a Sunday guy that shows up and oh, okay, that was good. Yeah. You know, like challenge yourself to be a student of the game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then the other thing too is. I would say to go deep is memorize large chunks of scripture. Um, Like, you know, you talk about John 15. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I probably couldn't do it today, but at one point I had all of John 15 memorized. Right now I'm working on uh, Romans 8. You know, I'm trying to memorize that whole chapter. So because something happens when you start memorizing big chunks Mm -hmm. is you start seeing connections between um, hmm. texts and passages and then plus just this is just a practical thing I no. mean, I'm 65 years old I need to come up with challenges to keep the old brain working keep, keep right it, yeah keep it firing yeah yeah, yeah. so um, big chunks like a whole chapter wow why not that's awesome that's a good challenge why not I mean, I've, I mean, never, I've never gone that that <laughs> deep um, I, you know a lot of uh, you know particular scriptures you know particular verse here or there or maybe two or three together but definitely have never uh, gone well, I, I remember, again, I probably couldn't pull these off, but I could probably relearn them pretty quickly. But I remember driving. My, my mom and dad um, lived in uh, Lake Wales, Florida. And so I, I was traded from the Minnesota Twins organization to the Cincinnati Reds organization. So the mm. Reds spring training was in um, Tampa. Okay. So we thought, hey, I'll just... Drive over from Lake Wales to Tampa. It's about an hour drive every day hmm. uh, during spring training, so I can hang out with mom and dad cheaper, and because um, you know yeah. you're not making a lot of money in the minor leagues. Let me tell you. So so anyway, I basically learned James chapter one driving back and forth oh, put it on. Uh, during spring training. Wow. You know, so some sometimes you just get creative about what what's the best use of my time listening to sports talk about the Browns or actually trying to memorize something from God's word. Yeah. So, so that I'm going deeper into the vine. I love it. Bear more fruit. It's good. Very practical. Especially if you have a, some car time or yeah. things like that, like you had back in the day. Um, last two pure wide. Yeah. Well, pure, I would say come up with ways of, of challenging yourself to keep short accounts with sin because hmm. we all sin in many hmm. ways hmm. and um, confess them as you do them is the best way to go but let's say you cop an attitude toward your spouse never happened yeah right <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes it to confess them as you do them, you're just not in a mood to confess. <laughs> it's like, no, I want to camp out in my sin right now because she's ticked me off. Uh, and I'm right and she's wrong, you know. But at some point you got to go, you know what, honey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I, I can't tell you. There have been times when I would fuss with Marianne. I would get to the church office and I'd start preparing a sermon and God's spirit would say, I'm not going to give you anything to say until you call that woman up and apologize to her. Mm. (laughs) So I think having a sensitivity about confession is good. And I always try to think of sins of attitude, sins of action, uh, sins of relationship, Mm. sins of um, commission, sins of omission, and sins of self-rule. 
and sins of self-reliance. I mean, those are kind of the headings under which I try to go back and go, okay, where, where have I sinned with attitude? Mm. Where have I sinned with action? What have I omitted that I should have done? Yeah. What have I overtly committed? Where have I ruled myself? Where have I become self-reliant? Hmm. And then, um, so, so those are some ways that I try to get at this whole issue of confession so that I'm not just saying, dear Lord, forgive me for all my sins in Jesus name. Amen. We kind of jumping around to different topics where people fall prey to sin essentially. And I mean, in, in that example where you're, you're trying to write the sermon or put the final touches on or deliver you have you found from experience that as you remove those, you know, rocks that you do bear more fruit as you confront those sins. Has that been your experience? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And of course you can't really look at short term gains. In other words, Hmm. even the whole concept of bearing fruit, it it talks about in Psalm chapter one, how a, a tree that's planted by the water will bear its fruit in its season, it says. Hmm. So there are some seasons where productivity is dormant. Yeah, it's not like, automa- like, not like grapevines, to, to use Jesus' analogy in John 15, grapevines don't bear grapes 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. There are seasons for those grapes to be born. Sometimes it's a season of pruning. So you, you can't really look at fruit like, okay, did I bear a fruit today? It's like, it's like no, you got to look at this over the long haul. Yeah. You know? So w- when you're doing the right things, That's- like I'm going to seek to abide in Christ, and um, uh, I might not see immediate results today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. but if you, um, being you reap what you sow more than you sow, later than you sow. Hmm. So just keep doing the right things, and eventually you're going to bear fruit. So you can't get so frustrated good. when there's no short-term success. Yeah. You know? Where and is it? I did it. Yeah, and I'm sure you see that in business all the time. Yeah. It's like, dude, we got to keep doing the right things, over and it's and going over. to pay off. Over and over and over. Yes. Yeah, we're yeah. reading a book right now, a mini one called The Flywheel, and it's, it's yeah. the same thing. It's yeah. just because it's, you know, you got to don't keep it, give it. up. Yeah. You got to keep going. Push don't hard. give up. And that's what guys do. I think yeah. in business, and I think we do it in the spiritual realm mm. as well. Mm. It's like, I'm not seeing the immediate payoff. So I'm out. Yeah. That's awesome. If you can stick with it. <laughs> good, <laughs> good advice. Yeah. And the last one. Why? Which one? Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think when you, when you start thinking about bearing fruit, um, and, and staying connected to the branch widely, mm-hmm. You you just have to think about all those areas of life that you talked about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, my my family life, I've got to stay connected to Christ when I'm with my family. I've got to stay connected to Christ when I'm managing my finances. And so all the way around that wheel that you guys have, that's the way I think about widely. Mm -hmm. It's like there can be no area of life where Jesus Christ is not Lord. Mm -hmm. And what I have to keep asking myself is... Well, where is he not, Lord? Because we're fallen, we're frail, we're sinful. We have a tendency to hmm. want to rule our lives, want to run the show. And, and, and so we just have to be uh, constantly asking ourselves, um, 
where am I not connected to Christ here? Hmm. In what area of life? You know, is, is there is there a little corner yeah. where I'm just like going, okay, I want Jesus to be a part of all of this, but not that. I'm going to protect that little corner of my life. Mm. That's my little secret cave. Yeah, <laughs> is yeah. that? I mean, is that just a, your own honest self assessment, or in your own way that you make decisions or engage or disengage with things? Is there any way that triggers you to say, hey, God is not present here? You know, this isn't God is not Lord here in this area, so I'm going to change this. Is there? Well, I think you've got to be sensitive to the the conviction of the Spirit. I mean, I do think if you're a genuine follower of Christ, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit lives in you. Mm. So if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, it says in Romans 8, you do not belong to Him. So you've got the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit is seeking to constantly reveal to us mm. more and more areas where Jesus Christ is not yet Lord. Just, just This is a dumb example. I mean, I'm a fountain pen fanatic or nerd or whatever term you want to use. Uh, I, I just like, I like the pens. I like the filling systems. Yeah. I like new ones. I like, uh, vintage ones. I like ink. I like paper, you know, um, my, you here's my, my pilot vanishing point I've got right here. Nice. So, um, but there are times when I'm like going, okay, <laughs> I need to sell some of these pens and put this money to better use going on here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a little thing. It's no big thing, but, but after a while you go, is, is Jesus really Lord of this mm. or is this my little, little hobby and I'm mm. not letting Christ be Lord of it. Mm. So I think we've got to be open to challenging ourselves in all yeah, of these all areas. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, uh, like, like a vacation. It's like, okay, I'm planning my vacation. Well, is Jesus part of planning that vacation? Because if he's not part of planning that vacation, then you're not abiding in him as mm-hmm. widely mm-hmm. as you could be. That's good. So it's an all-encompassing term. Yeah. And do you find uh, a way to involve, you know, involve God in those things is prayer, um, some practical ways to, to include him more in that process. Like planning a vacation, for example, it's a common thing. We all do it. How can we be more in, in step? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I think just asking ourselves some tough questions, is this the best use of the money that mm. God has given to me? Mm. You know, uh, could, could I, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I enjoy family vacations, sure. Sure. um, but I, but I wonder sometimes, um, is that the is, is that the best use of the funds? If we go on vacation, how do we connect with Christ on that vacation? So I I think it's just being willing to kind of bear our hearts be, be open, yeah. and let the Lord begin to poke around yeah. in there, so that we're actually uh, becoming, as Romans twelve says, living sacrifices. Mm. In other words, uh, the problem with a living sacrifice is it crawls off the altar. Mm. (laughs) So, so I got to get back up on that altar (laughs) in every area of life. It is. It's a true, I love that. That's good. So many good things. I mean, this, this, uh, I don't know if I call it sermon series, but this series of abiding really has been helpful to me and being able to pick one thing and go constant and, you know, wider and deeper and pure is, is really a practical. It's, it's, it's uh, very memorable. It's easy to remember. So 
th- thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. It's been really well, good. It, it was an honor to be with you guys. Truly, truly. <laughs> it was very energizing. I mean, I kind of, I've, I've kind of adopted, um, I think periodically you got to go back and go, who, who am I and what am I all about? You hmm. know, what's, what's my mission? And so for me, it's, it's levering, leveraging mm-hmm. uh, voracious learning, because I love to read, I love to learn, leveraging voracious learning to equip younger leaders for transformational discipleship and mm. church multiplication. Mm. Now, when I was with you guys, it wasn't so much church multiplication piece, but certainly that was part of Investing in younger leaders for transformational discipleship. So Mm. it was privilege and honor and and easy for me to say yes to to be with you guys. I'm glad we we connected on it. Was that something that was a, uh, what you would use as like a mission statement or just a general principle of... How you yeah, I, I, I went through a product. Like when we're working with new church plants, we, mm-hmm. we talk to them about the kingdom concept, we mm-hmm. say. <clears throat> what is your kingdom concept? In other words, what is it that makes you different from 10,000 other churches? And so we have a process that we work, work them through. And um, so if you have three circles, one circle we would call your local predicament. So mm-hmm. you try to think about... What are the problems in your local community or the opportunities in your local community Mm. that you want to address? And then over here, you'd have your collective potential. Who has God brought with you? um, And what are the gifts, the talents, the abilities that they have? And then this last circle we call, uh, it's not my favorite term, but it's apostolic esprit. So apostolic is the whole idea of an apostle. An apostle means one who is sent. So why do you think God sent you to that community? Hmm. And esprit would be kind of like God's spirit and your spirit combining. And, and so you can almost look at it like problem, people, passion. Hmm. And where those overlap is your kingdom concept. Hmm. So I went through that as, a, as an individual. I said, so what are the problems out there in the world that I want to address? And then what are the, the skills and the gifts that I have to try to address those? And then what is my passion? What mm-hmm. gets me out of bed? What makes me pound the table and say that has to change? Sure. What brings a tear to my eye? So where those intersect. So basically I had, uh-huh. you know, my top three in each category. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a formula. Here's the formula. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to glorify God and make disciples by um, leveraging my um, collective potential one, two, and three sure. in a context of um, local predicament one, two, and three because I have a passion for mm-hmm. Apostolic Esprit 1, 2, and 3. So I created this like huge, long sentence hmm. that was involved. And, yeah. you know, no English teacher would give you an <laughs> A on that sentence. It's a terrible sentence. But then you kind of step back and you look at that sentence and you go, okay, if I had to squeeze this down, what what's it really saying here? Hmm. And so then that's how I came up with leveraging hmm. voracious learning to equip younger leaders 
for transformational discipleship and church multiplication. Mm. So that's that. So, I, I look at that. Well, well, I even yeah. look. I didn't even have, I didn't know I had it, but there it is, right there, at the mm-hmm. top of this uh, to do list. Yeah. <laughs> so I write it down periodically just to remind myself. Okay, that's that's, that's your, who you are. That's, that's what lane. you're doing, and that can help me go. Yes, I'll take advantage of that opportunity, or no, that that that's that's not really that's not my fit. lane. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit who I am. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. I think. I mean, as you know, I'm speaking from my own experience. That's so important. Is um, you know what you say yes to or what you say no to, and I think that's. Uh, you know, when I was younger with less responsibilities before I was married, before I had kids, before our business was, you know, demanding more of us, it was it's easy to say yes to a lot of things. And as time goes on, I realize I got to be selective, you know, to be effective. Didn't plan on that rhyming, but it was a good one. I like that. <laughs> I have to be selective. Hey, dude, I'm writing that one down. That's good. Go for it. Yeah. I'll quote you. I'll yeah, tweet yeah, yeah, it. I'll tweet it, it, man. Yeah. I'm stealing the uh, the problems, people, and passion intersection. I like the I like those three. <laughs> That'd be a good, um, you know, from a vocation standpoint, I could see people using that to kind of select their lane on what they want to. Well, we get do. this from a book called um, Church Unique, hmm. and again, the idea is like every church is supposed to glorify God and make disciples. But what makes you different than ten thousand other churches? So if you think about it, every Christian is supposed to glorify God and make disciples. And, and bear fruit, but hey, your fruit looks different than my fruit. Sure. So what does that look like? What makes you different than yeah. everybody else in the world? And we're all like snowflakes, right? So I, I, I think the concept of coming up with a, your unique mission statement is is really critical. Really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I've been through different examples, and the more I think it's a work in process. Oh, for, yeah, for me. well, yeah. Mine's not the same as, as it was. was twenty years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've gone through different iterations of this yeah. over time and you know and you do need to i mean i'm a different guy sure. at day 65 than i was 45 and by the way <laughs> i just want to encourage all the listeners yeah take care of yourself take mm-hmm. care of your mental physical emotional uh, family health just mm-hmm. take care of yourself i just read a study um this is a secular study and they're going if you make it to age 65 there's like a 50% chance that you're going to make it to 85. Hmm. Okay. So there's roughly um, 8,000 8, 8, days between 25 and 45. Wow. 8,000 days between 45 and 65. And if you get another 8,000 8, days, hmm. that, that, this guy in this article, he, this is the MIT guy who's um, saying, He's talking about aging, and hmm. they've got all these you know things they're doing. So anyway, he he's just saying this is this is one of the most remarkable breakthroughs in the history of mankind. Hmm. Is that you get another one third of adult life to live. Hmm. So if your goal is, I'm gonna make enough money to retire, so I can move to Florida mm-hmm. and play golf and collect seashells. It's like, dude, don't do that. It's like you can be productive at in all three of these phases of adult life. Sure. And so why would you sell out for your last one third? Yeah. So take care of yourself now yeah. <laughs> so that you can have gas in the tank and tread on the tires. To keep going. To keep going. Hmm. You know, why yeah. retire? 
I mean, you can retire from business or you can take your retirement, but you can't retire from life. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing, too, about abiding, okay? You got, got me on my soapbox now. <laughs> that was good. Listen, listen. If, if, like, I don't have the kind of physical stamina that I used to have, mm -hmm. okay? So I know I'm on the, I'm coming downhill. Yeah, work, work harder for the same gains, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coming downhill. Okay. However, in the spiritual realm, shouldn't I be better at abiding in Christ at age 65 than I was at age 35? I, I think I should be better. I would hope so. I, I would hope so. Which means I should bear more fruit. Hmm. Like fruit bearing doesn't depend on age. And if you look at the Bible also, you notice Moses uh, had like three stages of his life, one to 40 he was, you know, the dude in Egypt, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Pharaoh's daughter's adopted son. And then he had to go on the run because he killed a guy <laughs> in anger. And so he's like this shepherd guy in the mm -hmm. middle of the desert for like 40 years. And then at age eight <laughs> is when all this stuff happens with the Exodus. So, and then he makes it to like 120. It was interesting. It, it says about him that his eye had not, not dimmed, hmm. nor his vigor abated. Wow. So he was just as strong and could see just as clearly hey. at age 120 as he, as he did at age 30. Wow. I mean, it's like crazy. It's like crazy. So what, what I'm going is his most productive time of life was in, was in the last third of his life. Of course, yeah. Wow. So, I feel like you're. Why just... not me? I mean, why not you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so become an expert at abiding now, so that you can bear more fruit. You know, the older you get. So, anyway, sorry that. Sorry for that commercial. No, it's all, it's really it's a really good point. It's um, you know, Rick Willis was one of the guys who has spoke at the events, and he uh, he has a whole. A focus called Elders at the Gate, and, uh, and you know, Rick, Elders at the Gate. Yeah. Oh, I didn't and, check this out. Uh, so you're giving he, me all this stuff to learn. Be, See, I'm, he, a, I'm a voracious yeah. learner. Well, I'm glad so. to connect. You know, two Ricks anytime I can. But Elders he, at the Gate. Yeah, and it's really you know the focus of. Um, That's a book. Know, uh, no, it's just it's. He's encouraging guys to do what you're talking about to to stay productive, to stay active, to stay. What's in the his game. last name? Willis. Willis. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah, he's here. He's in town. Oh, to he's him. here. Yeah. Ah, all right. I need Speaking to, at the yeah, the get, get, me, get me connected I will, to this I will, guy. I will, I will do that. <laughs> all right. Well, as we as we kind of like start to land the plane a little bit, I mean, a couple of these things. I'm curious. If you, you mentioned you're a voracious learner, and I'm curious if there's any any books that you've handed out to people or that you really recommend or ones that have really meant a lot to you that, or maybe ones you've reread a bunch of times. Yeah. Secular or faith-based. Um, well, one of the books that I, that, that has helped, equipped me as a, as a leader to be able to talk to secular people about the faith is a book by Tim Keller called the, the reason for God. Hmm. Really, really good hmm. book. Uh, Keller um, is a guy that moved to Manhattan, started a church there, um, Redeemer, Redeemer Presbyterian. It's just a very effective ministry. He's a mm. very effective communicator. Mm. And what he would do at the end of services really is he would just hang out at church, and any secular people that had questions, he would try to field those questions. Oh. So he did that for a number of years. 
And that became kind of fuel for this book that he wrote. Hmm. So uh, I, I think that's, that's a real, real uh, helpful tool. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a book that I would recommend. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, what about any, any, let, let me, oh, let me sure. throw this one out. Yeah. You got one? There's also a book that I've recommended a lot called the making of a leader. Hmm. And it's, uh, written by, um, Oh, come on. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Robert Clinton, Robert Clinton, who was a missionary and, uh, came back and he was a, prof- he has been a professor at Fuller Seminary out okay. on the West coast. Okay. And basically what he's done with the book, it's, it's, it, re- it doesn't read great. It's a little technical um, and scholarly. But what he's done is he said, um, let me look at Christian biography and let me, let me look at missionary biography in particular. Hmm. And let me look at biblical biography and let me see um, what are the commonalities of people that grow toward hmm maximum effectiveness, productivity, mm-hmm. fruitfulness. And, and basically says there are six stages of leadership development that he's identified. Hmm. And what's fascinating is, um, you know, the, the last two, I won't mention them all, but the last two, one would be convergence. And that's really where hmm. your gifts, your passions, your talents, your abilities, and your job opportunity and your stage of life kind of converge and you're just like in your sweet spot. That's it. Yeah. You're yeah. in your sweet spot. Hmm. And um, the next stage is, he calls it afterglow. This is where <laughs> you're the sage. All right. And people just come and they just like, hey, tell me what do, tell me about life. You know, <laughs> you're the guy up on the mountain and people are hiking up to the mountain to visit you. So yeah. I'm going, well, I don't know if I want to be that guy, but I, I would like to live in this convergence state. Yeah. So what he says is God will give you uh, checkpoints. Hmm. They're tests. He goes, I want to test you to see if I can trust you. Hmm. So it could be a financial test. It's like, are you really going to be generous toward my kingdom hmm. or are you going to keep it all for yourself? Hmm. And so he'll give you a test. And if you fail the test, he'll probably give you that test again. But there might come a time where God goes, you're just going to be stuck in this particular stage of leadership. Because you're demonstrating that I can't trust you. It could be a relocation thing. Mm-hmm. It could be like, I want you to sell everything and go do this. Mm. I, want, I want you to stop being in business. I want you to start being in ministry. I, I don't know what the test could be. But, but, but God will give us tests. Mm. And again, to see if he can trust us. And if he can, then he lets you go to the next stage of leadership development. Mm. So I I think it's a very helpful book because it helps especially young leaders kind of go, wait a minute. Because what happens a lot of times is God will put a younger leader in an environment with a a terrible boss Hmm. to see how he responds. Can you get under authority? Hmm. Because if you can't get under authority, I'm not going to give you any authority. You know, if you can't flourish under a bad boss... Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so wow. it's, it's fascinating. And I, and I think it can be helpful for younger leaders to kind of evaluate, wait a minute, this is not just, you know, I'm not just fighting with Nick, you know, let's say yeah. you're the bad boss, yeah. I, which I know you're not, but uh, <laughs> I'm not just fighting with Nick here. God's in charge of the people in charge. Hmm. So my response to Nick is really my response to God. 
That's a big paradigm shift. It is a big paradigm shift. And so, um, and, and God pr- provides us with all these checkpoints along the way to see mm. if we can be trusted. And then he moves us to a different level of leadership. Yeah. I so yeah, that. the making of a leader, I've it. recommended a jillion times to guys. Yeah, that's a great, great recommendation. I can't wait to dive into that. Thanks for that. Um, any, uh, for you, when you think about your day, your week, a month, any habits other than the alarms for Alan's <laughs> birthday? Yeah. Any uh, habits yeah. that you think? You got to be careful about these to? alarms because I was supposed <laughs> to be here at prayer at six o'clock this morning and Uh-oh. somehow I was messing with my alarms and <laughs> it, it went off at, um, yeah, instead of going off at five thirty, it went off at six thirty. Oh no! <laughs> like, um, but I, I woke up, so I was only like ten minutes late to prayer. So anyway, um, yeah, habits. Um, you know, I mean, fitness gurus are always talking about morning routine, mm-hmm. and and so I think it's important to have some fitness morning routine stuff, like mm-hmm. get up, drink some water, you know, those th- kinds of things. But uh, and and most of the time when people you know, like Tim Ferriss or whoever he's talking about morning routines, uh, they usually throw in something spiritual there. Yeah, now, it's yeah, probably but... not Christian. Yeah. <laughs> in most cases, it's kind of Buddhist and stuff. Um, but but I think building those health, wellness, mm-hmm. morning routines, and then making sure that, again, it's Christ-centered mm-hmm. is truly important. So uh, when the weather's good, I enjoy uh, the turn of weather. And so even when it's a little cold and I've got to wear a wool jacket, uh, I like to get up and walk. Get out and get moving. Yeah. So um, mm. we have a Bible reading plan that we use at the church, so mm-hmm. I will uh, read that. Mm. I, I have a journal approach that I use. It's uh, we, we say here at this church we want to um, invite people to new life in Christ. Everyone live new. Mm-hmm. So my journal approach is very simple. L I V E live. Mm-hmm. L learn. I pick out one verse and just write it down verbatim. Hmm. That's the learn part. The I investigate. Uh, so I try to. Look at cross references. Yeah. Look at some commentaries. Make a few theology. notes, and then the V is for uh, value. How I'm going to show God that I really value His Word. Hmm. So, what's an application that I can make? And then the E hmm. is for express. So I write down a very short prayer, and it's just one page, uh, but it's very helpful to me. So I try to do that every day. And when I'm, uh, ha- I have a prayer app called Prayer Mate. Hmm. So I you know, use that app and, you know, I'm constantly tweaking that, changing it. And it Hmm. reminds me to pray for my family, pray for the church, pray for my mission and so forth. Um, and then also, um, that's when I listen to Romans eight, I listen to a guy read it (laughs) and then daily same always Romans eight or yeah, because I'm trying to memorize it. Oh, right now. Because you're in that moment right now. Yeah. So then I, you know, I'm up to like verse 23 now. So I'm working my way through Romans eight. So I, you know, have it on my phone and I just kind of, um, test myself. See how good you can. Yeah. 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 And the other cool thing about that is, is I'm, like I woke up this morning and I'm like, it's four o'clock and I'm like, when I can't sleep, I can't sleep. A lot of times I'll either use that Bible ABC mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm, that I shared mm-hmm. with you guys at one yeah. of the retreats, the, the or post- I will go through Romans eight. And it's, it's amazing how often um, I get to sleep before I actually finish either the ABCs or the Romans eight section. 
you know, that's not a bad way to go to sleep yeah. thinking about God's Word. I do that all the time if I wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's like my yeah. ultimate antidote. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's like a spiritual adult pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> all right. Well, I oh mean, I feel like this is drinking from a fire hose. I will put all these notes, you know, and uh, on, on the website for all these different references. There's so many good ones. So keep me busy for a <laughs> solid six months to a year here. This is awesome. Um, well, any uh, is there a way that people can connect with you or CVC or any other, anything else that you have going on? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to connect with Calgary Valley Church, uh, we have a Twitter account. I think it's at CVC Tweets. Okay. <laughs> plural. And then uh, I'm at, um, I think it's, I think it's at Richard Duncan. Okay. So you have to get the two D's in there. Okay. Um, on Facebook, I'm Richard Allen Duncan. And uh, I mean, if you want to uh, email me, you can email me at rduncan, okay. D-U-N-C-A-N, at CVC. That's short for Cuyahoga Valley Church, cvconline.org. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Love to connect with Whoever would like. <laughs> yeah, you've been, I mean, you've been instrumental. So thank you in helping us get this off the ground. And I know I've heard, you know, so many good, you know, positive feedback from, you know, that was a really meaningful presentation or, you know, the abide really stuck with me or thanks for the free posters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All good stuff. So uh, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer? Sure. Be happy to. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to invest in the rising generation of great leaders and I do pray for iron, sharp, iron sharpens iron. God, that you would continue to um, cause this mission, this ministry to, to be um, effective. I pray for Nick. I pray for Joe, for all the leaders. God, that you would keep your hand on them, um, protect them uh, from the enemy. And may they pursue you with great effectiveness. And, and Father, I do pray that you would teach us all more and more of what it means to abide in Christ. Um, Lord, I've got a long way to go, um, but I pray that you would help us to, to stay connected deeply, widely, completely, and purely so that we might bear more fruit for your glory because that truly is the secret to living. So we love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Rick. All right. Appreciate thank you. it.